Welcome, birders. This is Ed Poen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast, where birders talk birding. If you listened to my last episode, episode number 46, you'll know that I'm in McAllen, Texas, in Hidalgo County, right in the heart of the lower Rio Grande Valley of Texas. This area is special to ABA birders. It, it is a place where species are found that can only be found in this area. It's right on the border of Texas, the southernmost part of Texas, where many Mexican species stray across the border or their breeding grounds or the wintering grounds are found just north of the Rio Grande Valley. One species we saw last week, the Morlet seed eater, literally breeds and is found in the bulrushes, the reeds, uh, sword grass or whatever it's called, just literally on the northern edge of the Rio Grande River, really not seen anywhere else in, this, in the ABA area. So there are lots of people who've spent a lot of time birding in this area. So when you look at eBird lists, there are a lot of people with pretty big lists for this county. And my guest today, Ryan Rodriguez, is 12 years old. Ryan has done some amazing things. How many people learned to read using the Sibley Guide? As a preschooler, Ryan was so fascinated with birds that he pored over the Sibley Guide for an entire summer by the end of the summer, he could read before kindergarten. I don't think there are many people around who learn to read using the Sibley Guide. I bet he knew some words that a lot of other people didn't know about at, at four years old. Anyway, Ryan has been birding here uh, since he was just a tot, uh, and has been e-birding since 2018. Uh, his earliest e-bird list is 2016, so he hasn't been doing this a long time like a lot of the listers down here have was a number nine eBirder last year in Hidalgo County, and, and is, no, is number 31 all-time eBird leader in number of checklists submitted in Hidalgo County. So he has been avid and all over it down here. Doing this as a 12-year-old with four brothers and sisters, a dad who works full-time, obviously no driver's license, limited ability to get around, pretty impressive. I, I was boggled. And when I met Ryan, I was even more impressed. He is a very mature young man, and yet still a cool kid. I mean, not, uh, not uh, auspiciously adult-like, just a very mature as a birder, still a kid as a kid, and very uh, eloquent. So I was really happy to have had a chance to talk with him today. Uh, I have to say that I uh, am, am just impressed I hope I get to go out birding with him this week. I think I'm going to get a chance to do that. If so, I'll fill you in in future, future episodes and maybe in a, a little, uh, little uh, subsequent uh, bite that I'll put on at the end of this podcast. We'll see if that happens before it goes live or if it happens for the next episode. But I am really excited that I had a chance to have Ryan as my guest today. I heard about Ryan from John Heaney. John is a winter Texan who uh, does a lot of birding around here. When Ken, Bruce, and I were out uh, birding last week, we seemed to run across him a few times. Well, he looked me up and he said, oh, so you're the celebrity. I said, celebrity? He said, yeah, the podcast. I said, yeah, I do a podcast. And he said, well, there's a person down here you should meet, Ryan Rodriguez. I said, cool. How will I get to meet him? He says, I know his dad. I'll, he's only 12 years old. Uh, so I think it'd be proper for me to get a hold of his dad, have his dad get a hold of you, see if it works out that you could talk with him. Well, his dad, Victor, is an attorney here in town. And also a super nice guy, really doing a great job of raising his son, his children, and uh, doing a great job of getting Ryan out birding. 
Uh, so we got a chance to meet at his law office to record this episode. If you need a lawyer in uh, Hidalgo, Te- Hidalgo County, Texas, look up Victor Rodriguez. But I got a chance to meet in his office and meet Ryan. We recorded this episode. And I think you'll be as impressed as I was at this auspiciously advanced 12-year-old birder, by far my youngest guest, my first minor on the show. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 47, with Ryan and Victor Rodriguez. Ryan, Victor, welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. thank you. This should be uh, really fun. Ryan, I have to say, you're my youngest guest. I've been doing this for a little over the, a year, and you'll be episode number 47. And I have not had anyone under 18, so you're my youngest guest by a long shot. That's really cool. I'd like to start by having people tell me their birding story. Tell me how you got started in birding and, how, you know, just your birding story. Okay, so I'm really not sure how I eventually started just liking birds in nature. My grandparents said while they watched me, I would, I would, um, I would tell them, can we go on a walk? And I'd write a list, like a checklist. Mm. Of the birds I thought we'd see, of course, I, I can spell them right, but uh, <laughs> I'd write them down and we'd go out and we'd sit in the park and we'd look at the birds and I'd check the birds that I saw off. But the one thing that I think stands out is one time, this is before I, after I started liking birds a little bit, um, my dad comes and gets me when I'm like four in pre-K and says, um... There's a fallout, migratory fallout on South Padre Island. I had no idea what that was. Those are epic. Yeah. And um, so we went, we ran into indigo buntings, painted buntings, yellow warblers. I t- took pictures with my little camera. But um, near the end of the trip, we saw a black Burnian warbler, and that was my spark bird. Are, so that was like, whoa. Extraordinary. Cool. Whoa. Yeah. So that's basically how I got started. And how old do you think you were then? Four. Preschool. Okay, four, four. yeah. Not many four people can name their spark bird at four. That's great. So that really piqued your interest. And it sounds like you are very, uh, very much into doing your research ahead of time, knowing what you might see. Yes, Keeping yes. listing from a young age. So those yeah. are terrific attributes. Tell me more. How did, how did you grow as a birder from then? So from then, I just... I, I went to Benson, you know, we, that was like the only place we knew about, and Quinta Mazatlan, so we'd go there, and people, tell, people would tell us, oh, there's this place called Santa Ana, and we'd go, and we'd see all the birds there, and I don't know when I got my first binoculars, but um, probably a while ago, and... Um, so went off from there. Yeah, Very cool. basically. Uh, so you you know the local area pretty well. I've, I've been here for 10 days or so, and okay. I'm starting to get familiar. What are some places? Quinta Mazatlan is a right. really yes. cool I little love place. That place. Unfortunately, closed on Sunday, so I right. learned that today. Uh, but uh, a really cool little place, and the, one of the, the Paraque, who's oh, been right yeah. under the entrance sign. That was pretty cool. Uh, but we had some warblers in the, I think it's Ebony. Forest, the ebony, ebony Grove. Ebony Grove. Yeah. We had a yellow-throated warbler there. It's oh, really yeah. nice. Uh, what do you find there when you go? It, at Quinta, I mean, I love going because it's a great place for, you know, rarities. Plus, one of my good birdie friends is there. His name's John Brush. She's the naturalist there. Oh. And um, he invites me along 
along uh, trips and uh, little uh, bird banding things they have at Quinta. And, well, at Quinta you see the chachalacas, um, white-tipped doves, cardinals, green jays, kiskadees. I mean, I could go on forever. The, the standard dry yeah. land sort of birds. That's a little wetter there, too, I think. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that water there? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, water. Every summer we have like a, like a black-bellied whistling duck pair that nests there. Or a green heron in the ruby pond, which is dry right now. But, um, but yeah. And one of the greatest birds I've ever seen there well, was a rose-throated bicard, but there's something better than that. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> So it was the it was February, the day before the Super Bowl, and um, it was there was a, they were having a little bird banding, and I got a little bored, so I went birding a little bit. I went to Ruby Pond with um, Tim Brush, is John Brush's father, and I saw a little bird in the back of the back of Ruby Pond, and I thought it was a or we initially thought it was a um, black-throated green warbler, but I took a little closer look. And it looked like um, it looked like it had a little rosy on its on its face. Mm. So then that idea popped into my head. Lots of streaking, yellow, green, pointy bill, Cape May warbler wow. in the middle of winter. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and that was the first record for Quinta, first winter record for the RGV. And it was cool to get to find that. So. So you know you're a South Texas birder when a, a Cape May warbler is better than a rosary bacard. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, you know one of the very few places in the ABA you can find rosary bacards. So, right. Yeah, I think there is nice. one at National Butterfly Center, but it's hard I, to find. I uh, I heard there was not they had one out at uh, Sal Nino a couple days ago. Oh yeah, yeah. But I it heard didn't. About that. It wasn't seen the next day, so I didn't chase right. it. Sal Nino had a sighting like that last year, one day bacard. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the fellow Mike, the fellow who I think he works there. He had an eight-hour and fifteen-minute list, mm-hmm. and I think he's the fellow who helped us find the seed eater out there. Oh, kind of found the seed eater, nice. We did. Still yeah. one I'm looking for. Oh, you don't have yeah. that yet. Yeah. And hook hookbill kite still yeah. don't have that either. I got both of those this trip. <laughs> if you, uh, I'll be taking a group out. It'll, it might be a weekday. No, probably. I think it'll be a weekend day. Taking a group out to Santa Ana and okay. uh, doing a uh, camp out on the platform. Try to get to. I, I, 11 people coming down oh, from Tacoma oh, yeah. uh, on the 5th of February. And uh, we're going to be doing a little trip around here. We're leading people around. Yeah. And it should be really fun. But uh, Ken and Bruce and I uh, went up to the plot tower. We were there first. And it was a really fun time. We uh, we got there. You know, we're early birds. We got there before anyone else came. We stood in this maybe an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. And looking for every hawk, you know, scopes, like, three miles away, trying to see what they are. Yeah. And then Ken noticed the bird fly up to a roost tree, maybe only a quarter mile away, you know, scopable distance. Yeah. And it was a female uh, hookbill, and it just sat there for about a half an hour. Jeez. And uh, yeah. it was really fun because we get on it and get pictures of that ranger, skeptical, but, you know, useful for identification. And, but it was fun. As everyone else came, we had a scope right at the top of the stairs, and they says, you here for the hookbill kite? And they say, yes. They says, look in the scope. We had about 10 people come up by the scope and show it to them. So it's fun to be out of town for bird founders. Yeah. So you've got a couple of a couple still to add to your life in Texas list that yeah. are very gettable. It's just a matter of, you know, as a, as a 12-year-old with a dad who has other children, other responsibilities, to camp out there for three or four hours in the morning is 
maybe not going to happen every weekend. But. Yeah, we had to take the little one this morning to yeah. go the find, the fork till, <laughs> find the fork till fly catcher, um, and we left the window open while we while we listened, mm-hmm. or and we looked, and uh, he he actually ended up falling falling asleep. So we left the window open, and we went outside, and we looked around, and like sure enough. Did you get the Anis there too? The Anis, no. We did not do that much exploring. We just parked and waited for like yeah. 30 minutes. Oh, so and you, then, you yeah. Were, yeah, it could have been worse. Right. It could have been worse. Good for you. Yeah, that's a great bird. That is so cool. The first time I saw it, it flew out of the reservoir, and it, it, there were like yeah. eight other birds there, and they were all chatting and looking, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking hard, you know. And this bird flies out, and you can tell what it is. A lock, because that tail's just flopping yeah. in the wind. I mean, it, the first few great tail grackles I looked at, I poured over because they had a long tail, but yeah, this thing was just unmistakable. It flew in and kind of laid around the wire for about 12 seconds and then flew right back, and that was that. But yeah. uh, still pretty cool. My dad's actually always the one who finds the uh, the rare birds. I've never found a rare bird while he's Kate with me. Well, 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 while, while he's with me. Oh, uh, okay. Because like, when he wasn't with me, I found the roaster to be card too. So, um, but when he's with me, it... I, I can't find it. Like he's, he's, <laughs> he's always the one who finds it. <laughs> he's young too. He's got good yeah. eyes. Good for him. Good for you guys. Like um, he, he found the the forktail flycatcher this morning. It flew out of the reservoir, right? Right. Yeah. Well, right. I was, that's exactly how I got it both yeah. times. Flew, flew it perched right on the uh, wires right there by the corner. Yeah. That's right. That's that seems to be the place. I'm hoping it sticks for another couple of weeks and I can take my friends down there. That, that's asking a lot. We'll see. Yeah. Right. Well, you've already I've been there. I think two weeks now. Yeah, close to, it has been close two, to two weeks. weeks. So that's pretty spectacular. I must like it. There's a lot of lot of bugs in that field. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good spot. Seems like a good spot. So other than Quinta Mazatlan, what other places do you, are your haunts? What do you, do you have a patch around here? What do you where do you usually go? Yeah, we have a canal right by our house. It's usually pretty productive. In April, we have like flocks and flocks of dowagers and stilt sandpipers and least sandpipers. Oh, so you have some good white ones. Nice. Yes, yes. I mean, some smaller stuff. But um, there's still some stuff. Two out of the three kingfishers I've seen there, uh, which are belted and green. Mm-hmm. Ringed is my nemesis bird. I hardly ever see it. Yeah. Um, get by the river. Yeah. So, so uh, you, you've, uh, as a young birdie, you talk, we talked a little bit before we started recording about some of the ways you stay connected with the young birding community here. I want you first, though, to tell me about the, the ABA Young Birder Competition. I've read about that. I've kind of followed each year in the in the birding magazine, and it's a pretty cool thing. How did you hear about it, and what did how did you participate? Okay, so how I heard about it was I saw the uh, book, Burning Without Borders, mm-hmm. and I heard that's a good book. It is. So I grabbed that book, and asked, uh, and uh, I got that book from the bookstore, and I read it, and what's his name? Noah Stark. N- Noah Stark. Yeah. He. He mentioned something about winning the Young Birder of the Year. I was like, hmm, what's that? So I searched it up, searched it up, and uh, I found on the ABA. I didn't. I act, honestly didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> but <laughs> all I knew about was Audubon and stuff. Uh-huh. But um, and so I, so I looked at it. <laughs> Sorry, That's blanking. Okay. Um. And I said, "Oh, I'm old enough. I can I can participate." So I, I asked my parents. They said, "Yeah, sure." So I did that. They sent me like a like a package in the mail 
giving me like the the new book How to Know the Birds by Ted Floyd. Okay. I think um and they gave me the manual so I read that and it said that Slack Slack was like going to be the new way that they did things this year. It was like um it's like a messaging thing. I had I didn't know about it. Um so I downloaded it. They invited me to the group chat and w- when I got on there they had all the all the other young birders who were participating in the um, competition. in the competition yeah, on there. Cool. So um, yeah, I can constantly stay in touch with all of them, and um, and all the uh, all the judges, like um, Liz Gordon, uh, Jeff Gordon, Ted Floyd, the managers of that whole thing. Right. They're all on there. Yeah. And so there are several components to that, aren't there? I mean, you just have to do some community service and some art. Yeah. What, what, tell me about the things you did. So there were modules. I wanted to do like four of them, but I only ended up getting one done, mm-hmm. which I'm ashamed to say. But <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> only one. I, I wanted to do all, all of them. So that means I can't actually qualify for being the young birder of the year, but I could still win my module if yeah, I and if you, I did. You're still young, you've got years to come. It's right. not a one time, one and done thing. Right, that's true. So what modules did you do? So well, the one I got submitted was photography. Oh, okay. It's because I went to um the Galapagos Islands. Oh wow. My my grandparents were nice enough to take me there. That's cool. Um and Okay, so I got lots of great pictures there, like um, of the blue-footed boobies, the magnificent frigate birds, the ground finches, um, the tortoises too. Uh, I mean, so I so I submitted all those uh, seabird pictures, which I thought were pretty good, and uh, did a little edit work on on uh, Adobe Lightroom, mm-hmm. which is it's really great for editing photos, and ended up getting that the photography thing submitted. The community service I wanted to do, I wanted to actually create a Young Burger camp, or a Young Burger um, club here in the valley, because mm-hmm. um, we don't have one. We don't yeah. have one in, until you get to Austin. There's an Austin, Travis Austin. That's a Yeah. So, um, so I wanted to do that, but we ended up not being able to do it because we had little time. Field notebook, couldn't get that done either. <laughs> and... Um, the I got all my art things done, but it you know it takes a while to sub- send in to mail all the way over there, mm-hmm. and we thought we'd have to mail them like last minute, so like the day of the deadline. So I didn't get to mail you get those so, either. Pretty cool, pretty cool. And you mentioned the Slack. Is that something that you use other than just for the competition, or is that? No, I think one of my other friends use Slack. So. Um, okay. It's probably just for the competition as yeah, of the moment. But. So far. Do you have, other than your dad and the fellow you mentioned at Kintamazatlan, do you have any other people you call your mentors down here? People who said, oh, that Ryan, he's a pretty hot young birder. I want to, you know, help him out, take him around, show him things. Well, I've actually never met this person, but every time I'm making a mistake on eBird, she always helps me, mm-hmm. helps me out with it. Her name is Mary Gustafson. Okay. Um... So every time I make a mistake on eBird, like, uh, I took a picture of a mallard, uh-huh. a 
Mallard. Yes. <laughs> the other uh, the other week at Santa Ana, and she she sent uh, she sent me an email saying that to check my pictures again because it wasn't a mallard. So I looked at it, and she was right. It was a mallard pintail hybrid. I saw that the gat the gad tail or the pinwall. We weren't sure which we were gonna call it, but yeah, it is a cool bird. Yeah, it is. It's way cooler than a mallard. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cooler than a mallard, but in the valley, I don't Down know here, if it's cooler. Yeah, mallards, mallards are, are tough. tough. Yeah. 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 Still, yeah, we saw that bird and we said, "What on earth is that?" And we struggled. We said, "I think it's got some mallard." And we said, "No, I don't." We 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 sussed it out before we asked the the person at the headquarters, "What is that goofy duck out there?" They said, "Oh, that's a pintail mallard." That pinto gadwall hybrid. Okay. So that's good. Yeah, I was I was there with uh, my friends from Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, they came down for the for the winter break. Um, so we saw that, and everyone was like, "Oh, let's just call it duck species." I'm like, "No, I want to call it a mallard." So <laughs> I, I actually, I ended up putting it mallard, and I was they like, oh, I, "I didn't, I didn't, I don't feel, <laughs> I didn't feel okay about that." So I just kind of left it there. And then, like, feeling guilty. <laughs> and um, then I got the email, and then and then I, I looked at it, and I realized, like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see what it is now. Because I thought it was a mallard because of the green head and the... Yeah. You could see some yellow on the bill. It is a strange-looking so, bird. Yeah, it's, it's a, a strange, weird bird. Big, you know, sort of buff-colored patch on the shape. Yeah, yeah. It's very strange. Very strange. So... Where, where uh, in the valley, or in the valley, in this area, do you desire to go? Are there places you haven't got to go yet that you're really anxious to go to? Boca Chica Beach. Oh, I kind of want to go there. You haven't been there? Uh, I, I'm going to go. I, we went there after we went to the dump, of course, <laughs> and after we drove down that difficult road for mm-hmm. my view, I've just got a sedan I've rented with that. At, what is it? The Old Isabella Road? Old, Old, Isabella Port Is- Old Port, Port Isabella Port Highway. Road. That was a little interesting drive yeah. looking for the Appalmato did not get it there yeah. but uh, but we did get over to uh, to uh, Boca, uh, Boca Chica wow the reddish egrets there yeah. oh my goodness it's been a long time since I've seen reddish egrets so they were really special 140 yeah very cool both both races yeah and still sandpipers we don't I mean there's still sandpiper in Washington state where I come from those are all those are a tough year bird every year. We have to go to the east of the mountains and really look at one or two places you can look, and they usually fire away and hard to see. And, and it's just still sandpipers all over the place. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I saw about two stilt sandpipers today. Yeah, near where you live. Yeah, at, or it was actually at Hargrove Playa, up near, um, near Salda Ray, mm-hmm. Brushline Road, that area. Have you been to the WPC Center down near uh, Brownsville? There's a new one. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, Rosaca de la Palma? Yes. No, I've never been there, actually. I, I'm anxious to go there because I went to the Sable Palm Sanctuary, and mm-hmm. boy, it's dry, and yes. the trees are all dying, and it just wasn't wasn't like it was several years ago. D- did you see uh, the common yellowthroat there? There are a lot of common, but is there a special one? I, yeah, yeah. The, there's, the common yellowthroats are... Um, are subspecies endemic to Brownsville. Oh, I I didn't even know that. So <laughs> the answer is I'd have to look at my list to see if I saw a common yellowthroat there. I mean, probably did. Didn't see them around. No. Yeah, Some they, of the special they, one there. 
Yeah, they nest in the sable palm trees. Oh, That's wow. like the biggest forest in the United States left of sable palm trees. So yes. It's kind of a special place, especially because of the uh, nice um, common yellow throats there. Yeah, I, I I'll actually, have to, if I go back, I'll have to pay attention to that because I, I didn't. What makes them different? Do they have field marks or just because of the... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't All I know is that that's it's a subspecies. It's an endemic yeah. subspecies. Yeah, to Brownsville, to that sanctuary, really, I think. And cool. Southmost Nature Preserve, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've never found there. But I read a book by Tim Brush, and it had the breeding birds of the Rio Grande Valley. So uh, I actually already had it, and I was browsing through my bird book catalog. And so I opened that book, and looked at the common yellow throat page that says there's an endemic subspecies in Brownsville. I'm like, oh, I've seen that. <laughs> seen that before. Very cool. I'm not sure what makes it different. Very cool. Yeah. You said you go, you started your, your first place you used to go birding uh, was uh, oh, blanking, you just told me, the state, Rio Grande, uh, Benson Rio State yes, Park. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and my experience at Benson Rio was 25 years ago. You could drive around. It was before the wall. It was before all this, you know, ridiculousness that's going on now. Uh, and uh, it was a really fun place to bird. Now it's like, boy, you got to seriously walk to bird. Yeah. That is nice. My God, we, we walked around. It, it's really, is it bad drought here? It's really dry. Things like... The kingfisher uh, looks dry? Uh, Right there by the river? Yes, yes. I, I mean, no, there was a lot of water in that. But okay. once you get over that and really into the park, right. I mean, we, we walked around two of the loops there, and it was, boy, it was hard to find a bird. It was very, very we're right. We thought we'll be that first thing. It'll be really good. And, you know, counting orange crowns, warblers, and, uh, and the black. Yeah, the, the ins, inside the park is not, that great. It's not that great right now. I, I do know it's great for beardless strangulant in, in the park. But... Usually, the best place to go right now is, is the visitor center area, Black Phoebe, R- Rufus Hummingbird, which I still haven't seen. Um, all the hummingbirds, great hummingbird garden there, all the sparrows and stuff. Yeah, it's very good. So, I still need a uh, Northern Beardless Tarantula for this trip. Where can I get one around here? Go to Anzal Duas Park. Anzal Duas? Yeah. I've been in Dwarf, so I haven't <laughs> seen it, but yeah, I could easily have just missed it. I also missed the rock run there twice. Yes, so have I have missed the rock run but there twice. Did too. you see that field on the way in a couple a week ago? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, were there hawks there? It was ridiculous. Wait. Oh, we on, missed on it. Ro- on the road in. I mean, I think it's yeah. only one way in, isn't there, there? There is only one way in, yeah. So they, when that field is newly plowed, or just recently plowed, yeah, uh, yeah there's a lot, of, a lot of hawks. We've seen it like that. A yeah. couple of times. It, yeah. it had like been twice. plowed a few days before, yeah. and it okay. was still really good to be there, but I heard, talked to a, a couple who was there like four days before us. They had 60 white-tailed hawks. Wow. Uh, we had eight or ten. Yeah, we had eight or ten. We had a Harlan's hawk there, wow. which was really cool. I and mean, we had those back home, but down here I think they're pretty good birds. Yeah, yeah. We had a Harlan's hawk, and we had just... You know, maybe 70 caracaras and vultures and oh, just wow. everything. It was... Crazy. Had all three falcons, uh, Merlin and uh, and the peregrine. Had a, had a peregrine and a Merlin and several kestrels. It was very. It was. I mean, we had trouble getting to the park. We stayed there for a long time. It was really cool. Uh, and you know, we're not from here, so uh, identifying the beauties is no small task when you're not not a local and haven't seen 
all the various points. Yeah, what those juveniles are very unusual. Yeah, they are. That big white blob on their chest is like, what is that? Looks like a deformed hawk. Yeah. Uh, birding this morning, we were driving, and I saw this weird-looking hawk out in the distance, and its back turned to me, all dark. I almost wanted to say it was a common black hawk because of the mm-hmm. big, broad wings. Yeah. Soaring or perched? It was perched, perched with its back to mm-hmm. me, and uh, so we moved around to get a different angle. And getting that different angle, I looked in the scope. There was a white-tailed hawk to the pole next to it. Mm. A and male white-tailed hawk. Yeah, I think, it was a, I think it was a young white-tailed hawk. So. They are a goofy-looking bird, to say. Uh, have you have you seen zone-tailed very often down here? I don't see zone-tailed very often. Last time I saw it was the Christmas Day last year, I've, or two years ago. Pouring over the vulture box <laughs> looking mm-hmm. for mama. I, I had a, it was fun today. I went out to Delta Reservoir to, just to go to a place yeah. I haven't been to before. Mm-hmm. I actually was going to go to the uh, another place that was closed. So I kept going out to the Delta Reservoir. That's a cool place. Have you been there before? No, no. Did it, you see anything good? Not very fun. It's nothing spectacular. But I had a, I had a greater scop, which is a good bird. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, there was one greater scop with 500 or more lesser scop. Unfortunately, it was close in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I studied it. I mean, we have scop at home. I feel like I know my scop reasonably well. And I, I looked for everything I could. You know, it was a little bit bigger. The head was green. It was round. It didn't have, no, I watched every position. It just yeah. didn't have a peak in the back of the head. And it, it had a little bigger nail on the bill. And it, I'm, I'm pretty confident in it. It was, it's a really good bird here. I know. It so is it Delta Lake or Delta Reservoir? Delta Reservoir. reservoir. Okay. Is it Donner Reservoir? No, Delta. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at my eBird list from today, but I'm sure it's Delta Reservoir. Okay. And um, it, it's the people that were friendly. I was a little, uh, just a little, uh, you know, potentially concerned about walking around this neighborhood where people had houses and things. But it, uh, I, I asked this fellow, I struggled through enough Spanish to ask him if it was okay to be here. Donna Reservoir, you're correct. Donna okay. Reservoir, my bad. Uh, and uh, it was uh, it was, it was fun. I had green kingfisher and oh, nice. had a casting turner. And, and, uh, but uh, the thing that brought to my mind is there were 30 Blackhawks and a, a, almost a all Blackhawk flock circled. There were, there were like 50 turkey vultures overhead and these Vultures came in from a distance and they just circulated through and they circulated out the other end and went off by themselves. But I, had, I had seen black black vultures here. Did I say black hawk? I meant black vultures. Okay. I, yeah, my <laughs> slip of the Black vultures, about 30 black vultures came through and uh, went off the other side. So that was, uh, yeah, that was fun to see a, a bunch of black vultures because we don't see those at home. Yeah. So, uh, Ryan, what do you see, uh, you know, how do you see your birding uh, story developing? What, what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? Mm, I don't really know. I don't know yet. I thought about going to Cornell, Cornell University, but uh-huh. like, I think every birder kid dreams of that. There are some other spectacular, Humboldt. Is right. A, uh, I have several young friends who went to Humboldt who just, just can't say enough good about it. So there's a lot of places besides uh, Cornell that are spectacular bird right. places. Yeah. So uh, I, I was thinking more next year. <laughs> oh, <laughs> next year, next year. Okay. Well, next year, I want to see Hoopville Kite and the Seed Eater. Okay. And I want to see Audubon's Oriole here in McAllen. 
I know there's one at, um, at McKellen Nature I Center. Can, I, I can give you the name of a fellow who's super, super nice and has a backyard out of Missouri. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm not going to say it online because I don't want his, uh, his uh, house bombarded by the mm-hmm. herders. But uh, my friends and I were scouting it. We, he posted to Ebert every day. Okay. Uh, and uh, we were just looking, trying to look around. And his wife comes out and says, you look like burgers. Are you looking for the Ottomans Oriole? We said, yes. And she said, well, come on in. And she invited us in. We sat on the back porch. We talked for a while. He has the most spectacular backyard sanctuary. He's got, he's got something I've never seen. Feeders that, like, every hour, spin a little and spew out some food on the ground. <laughs> oh, so my gosh. Automatic feeders and spew food. He's got five water elements. He's got hummingbird feeders. He tacks up grapefruits. He's just got... And cover. I think we had four or five longbill thrashers, maybe twenty Jeez. cardinals, just all all sorts of birds. And he's got an ottoman sort of every day. He gets every it. day. And uh, so, if you uh, nicely uh, knock on his door, he will. Uh, he or his wife will uh, let you. And I, I don't have a contact phone number or anything, but uh, I'm, they were really gracious. Great. Uh, so that's that's what you get. That's what you get. So did you see it very well? Or yes, it's not very not for you know a minute, but. It, it's a little secret, but it comes to the fruit there, and it, it, it was, yeah, we got nice looks. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we also got uh, the other Oriole. We got, uh, uh, not Orchard. Uh, Ultimare. Well, those are all over the place. Hooded. Uh, hooded. Yeah. Uh, hooded Oriole at uh, Sunflower. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw them there actually perched with a Ultimare Oriole, so nice yeah. size in comparison. Yeah. It was a, it was a first year meal, so it was... Right. Yeah, yellow. It's not, I mean, it wasn't, it was, wasn't bright orange. Right. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, so you, you're thinking of that. Other uh, aspirations? Do you, I mean, you, these young birder camps, the ABA sound mm-hmm. like, I mean, if I was a young birder, I would, I would, go to, I would do anything to go to those. Well, they, I think they recently opened an adult birding camp in West they, Virginia. Yeah, I know they do. And those sound pretty cool too. And, you know, Plus, to have some really good birding friends, and we can, we have our own birding camps. So, that's, oh, okay, uh, cool. That's I'm teasing, but this is kind of birding camp. Yeah. I, yeah. I I rented an Airbnb down here uh, for a month, and uh, uh, those guys came down to stay with me for the first nine days, and uh, uh, and I have a friend coming down tonight. They're gonna pick up. She's gonna stay for a while, and then I've got my group coming down at the end of the thing. So I'll be busy here. But have you met uh, Keith Ackland over at Alnoin? Okay, I don't know. Any. He has, he runs a birding centric um, BMB okay. in Alamo. Just, yes, I heard. I <laughs> it's really great. About staying there, but it just I, I had friends coming. It wasn't wasn't as practical. And he has a he has a nice little shop there. It's very friendly. Leads tours. He leads tours also. I've heard yeah. he's a good resource. I need yeah. to look him up. I need to look him up. So that that's good. Uh, and. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your birding story. What's it like <laughs> to be a, a dad of a birding phenom? Well, I, you know, I'm very proud of him. I've been just sitting here smiling the whole time. Listening. You should be. He's a, quite an accomplished young fellow. Um, I, I don't know how I got into it. I was in a birder. I grew up in Brownsville. And it's, you know, it's a very common um, story I hear, you know, Growing up, you're not into it. You don't notice what's around you. Every bird is a black, black or brown bird. Yeah, there's certainly grapple. enough black birds here. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and so really never um, opened my eyes to it. 
um, until Ryan um, uh, got into it. And he's being really humble, but he, he actually has a photographic memory. He, and that's how he kind of helped him along with his birding. Yeah, he, cool. he learned um, how to read with the Sibley Guide taught himself uh, <laughs> That's over, right. over, how to read like over that. one summer yeah and you know it just it just kind of it just kind of stuck with him and of course it takes us to get him out and so we've done <clears throat> everything we can to to help you know foster it and keep well, it going thank yeah. you from the bird community he's going <laughs> to be sure. a great uh, great resource to all of us as we get old we'll find birds for us that's great so he's got four siblings younger uh-huh so far the there's three girls and then a baby boy um uh ranging the age all the way down to one uh that so far the girls haven't been interested but we're hoping to get the baby boy into yeah. it well yeah, you know so. take young, almost every time. young girls are you know, it, the last uh, ABA birding camp, I read an article. No, I didn't. I listened to a podcast, the podcast, the ABA podcast. Uh, and at the most recent ABA young birders camp, there were more women, more actually women, girls, whatever, more females than males at the birding camp for the first time. And that was not through any effort on their part, just more applicants. So uh, girls are definitely a big part of the birding scene these days so we've tried we're yeah. trying we keep trying that doesn't exclude them <laughs> yeah. i'm just saying yeah. it doesn't exclude them by, yeah. not by a long shot right. cool uh and uh sounds like you're you know i'm really happy to hear that you're uh open to ryan getting out with other people around you of know course. you have to be careful with kids these days sure. but but yeah. uh uh i tell you the birding community is just a gracious community in general and if if Woods, I can tell Ryan's a nice kid, uh, and it's probably fun to be around birding. And uh, there are going to be lots of people who would love to help mentor him, even if it just means driving a car. Yeah. Uh, because heck, you have a hot young eyes like this around. You're gonna find more birds than you do yourself. <laughs> so it's not not all uh, altruistic. I would love to have him along to help find more birds. Well, I've got lots of pictures of Ryan ever since he was five years old at all the various birding centers mm-hmm. alongside older people. He's, yeah. he's, oh, it's always him and sure. a bunch of older folks yeah. birding. And I just sit back and watch him. And I'm proud, obviously. Um, because he, when he's, even back then, he's five, six years old, he's talking to folks uh, just so knowledgeable. He knows what he knew what he was talking about. He could talk about the field marks, the time of year, you know, what, bird it might be you know i i i this is spectacular because this is time you can't buy when you're older right that time when you're young you your brain is is fresh and open and you can learn and the 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 skills you're developing now are things that are just frankly not possible to develop at 30 or 40 or 50 years old or even 20 years old i mean you you have such a leg up on on everybody as a field birder uh that Keep it going. You can be really, really good. His ears are really good too. He's he's starting to be where he can hear it first, and I think people that can do that yeah. are really. It's a good skill to have. It, it's uh, a great skill. Yeah. So get a job that doesn't require loud noise. <laughs> my my two birding friends that came down with me, both uh, both did uh, uh, outdoor uh, work landscaping stuff like that so a lot of heavy equipment and stuff 
And you know, we joke that when I go birding with Ken, between us we're one, a full birder. I can still hear, as a doctor, I did a kind of quiet job, uh, not spectacular hearing, but I can hear fine. Uh, and he is really a good birder. But he, he, has, he has, even with hearing aids, he has a hard time hearing well now. So between us, I hear him, he sees him, we're good. <laughs> so you can do both. So save that hearing. Study okay. and get a career that doesn't involve loud noise. Stay away from those rock bands. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Anyway, well, I really appreciate you guys getting together with me today. We're sitting here and in uh, Victor's uh, law offices at a beautiful conference table uh, in McAllen. If you need an attorney in uh, in uh, Texas, look up uh, Victor Rodriguez. He'll do a good job for you, I'm sure. He certainly <laughs> doing a good job of raising a young birder. I appreciate that. And uh, thanks for having me over. I appreciate it. And if you have time and want to get around, I'm here for the next three weeks and you need a ride, I'd be, I would love to have your talent along with me. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that wraps up the Bird Banner Podcast episode number 47 with Ryan Rodriguez and his dad, Victor. I had a really nice time talking with you both today, and I think this is going to be a fun episode for people to listen to. I'm really hoping I can get out birding with Ryan in the next two or three weeks while I'm here. I'd like to get to know him better, and obviously would like to have his sharp birding skills along with me when I go birding. I always find more birds when you gang up with other top birders. So I'm excited about that. Be sure to leave a review in the podcast uh, on the podcast feed that you use, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, any of those you can leave reviews. I really appreciate that. It gives me feedback. It helps me know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, and it also helps my ratings on those platforms for if people leave more reviews. So please do that. Uh, follow me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And uh, be sure to check out the Bird Banner website, birdbanner.com. Each episode I put up, I leave a blog with a lot more information and detail about the topics covered in the episode. So until next time, good birding, good day. <laughs>